fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to India's first and only Freemasonic podcast, The Ashlers, a unique podcast that is hosted by Masons aiming to share information and the timeless wisdom around Freemasonry with the rest of the world, thus sharing the light of Masonry far and wide. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions shared by the hosts and participants on the Ashlers is solely their own and thus do not represent any official positions or proclamations of any Grand Lords thereof. Be assured that best efforts have been made to keep the conversations and presentations on the level for brethren and non-Masons alike. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Ashlers. We are listening to Season 2 of The Ashlers Podcast. Season 1 has been a journey of chronicling the spread of masonry across India. Season 2 goes into discussing uh, several papers by Indian Freemasons. Today we are embarking on the second part of a wonderful paper that we discussed in episode 8. In episode 9, that is this episode, we are continuing on the same paper. The paper is titled The Rise of Freemasonry by Brother P.K. Muthukumar Swami. He is from Lodge Raj Sabai, number 212 from Madurai. Now, a quick recap for those of us uh, who are joining in. And I know we are recording after a while. <laughs> you know, work comes in the way and then we both get busy. But uh, nevertheless, our passion does continue. So with that, let me do a quick recap for you. In the part one of this paper, we spoke about the beginnings of Freemasonry. We discussed what are operative Masons. We also delved a little into the three degrees in Freemasonry. And also, we spoke a little about the meaning of the word Lodge and how that has transmuted throughout the ages into what we call Lodge today as Freemasons and what we call a Lodge as non-Masons. In case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I would highly suggest go back to episode 8 of season 2, go through that and then what we are going to be discussing today will make a lot more sense. So on that note, Ranesh, what is part 2 all about? Over to you. Hey, thank you, Shishir. Uh, so the part two is actually about operative lodges and guilds in Scotland. Special mention to Scotland over here is because that is where most of the modern way of Freemasonry, which you and I know of, or which you and I are speculating about, is all available. And hence, we are trying to ensure that we kind of bring that angle. And that angle is specifically, or rather beautifully mentioned in this paper by Right Prashupra the PK Kumar Swami. Uh, to start off that, I think I will hand it over back to Shishir who can actually give you the explanation of the word guild. So Shishir, you start off and I will continue from there. Hey, Rinesh, thank you. All right, so guild, right? Now, those of us who have been into comics or have been following uh, you know, Saturday Saturday or Sunday morning cartoons, um, you might come across this word guild as part of some of the group of superheroes that come together for us, you know, common good. Well, 
that particular word um in the real world at least uh, had a very important meaning so let me get into what guild uh, sort of ties in when it comes to operative lodges and guilds in scotland now the whole idea was to get a bunch of professionals together as a group and that group essentially was called the guild the management of the mason trade it was very clearly defined very clearly managed between the craft lodges and the craft guilds now the guilds like i mentioned were very structured they were officials experts people well versed in their fields they had very specific rules and they controlled the trade in all its relationships uh, when it when it came to dealing with the public or with the employer or the customer or even the government Rinesh, you want to talk about um, the operative lodges? Oh yes. So the operative lodge, compared to a guild, was a bit unstructured and unofficial. So the idea was to come together and do the work which was given at hand. Whereas guild, on the other hand, literally used to know what the lodges are doing. Now, if I have to kind of bring a parallel to the current situation or the current. Uh, uh the state of affair of freemasonry is a lodge would actually be something which is obviously available in a city whereas a guild would be um i think like a provincial law, grand lodge or maybe a district grand lodge or a regional grand lodge whatever the words are or maybe the grand lodge also so they are the ones who obviously know where each and everybody is whereas a lodge would not know where others are or what exactly is happening so something on the same line now why the scottish angle so somewhere back in the 1400 there were many such lodges which existed in scotland so such uh, some lodges like in aberdeen were in 1483 and uh, edinburgh in 1491 dundee in 1536 and why are we saying this because we have proof in the way of the minutes of these lodges some of these lodges minutes are way back in the 1500s now within their own territory right each operative lodge became very powerful and obviously from there it kind of grew up to kind of take up the entire function or the work of that city so territorial lodges were themselves under the supervision of a head lodge as well uh, so for example some lodges at kilwinning st andrews edinburgh dundee perth glasgow there are so many of them who actually used to take care of all the lodges in that area so slowly and steadily what shishir was talking about the guild aspect right it kind of came into the lodge aspect as well trying to ensure that all lodges in the city or in a town or in a village actually work with the betterment of the people who are part of it now from here let's try to understand how an organization of lodges in scotland formed shishir over to you nish as you were talking about that i was just trying to draw a parallel in our modern day society like you know what could be a guild in today's time right so um you know folks think of it like um like a professional um sort of an authority so think of a pmp certification you know given by pmi or for chartered accountants they might be you know there's a specific body that governs sets the rules um and and sets the uh, code of conduct so to speak so think of guilds like that all right um now moving on to the part of um the organization of lodges in scotland right now uh, there is evidence that meetings in scotland uh, among the lodges were done fairly regularly they were 
specific representatives who were appointed as part of those meetings as part of those lodges um it's very similar to like how we do it today all every lodge has a set of officers they have a set time and day when they meet they have a set agenda that they go through so all of these things is not a modern day or a recent development it's been in place throughout the ages and this paper delves very beautifully into those points let me talk about a very specific um a uh, title over here the title is that of the warden general this was an administrative official appointed by the crown with the titles of king's master of works and warden general or alternatively used even uh, chief master of masons was another title that was given to this individual so you can imagine how ingrained the whole idea of lodges masons uh, people in that you know body of work were to the overall ruling body the overall uh, set of citizens of a country that they decided to even have a specific person appointed with a specific title and even had a structure to how these people would meet and discuss and lay down their you know um, rules and regulations and there's a bit more to it which adds to the whole idea of putting a structure to the whole thing essentially bringing uh, a bit of uh, order to the chaos something called the shaw statutes rinesh would you like to talk about that so the shaw statutes is actually named after a person called william shaw and william shaw was the king's master of works or the warden general which uh, shishir was talking about So this was back in 1598 when he was actually appointed as one of that and he kind of wrote a lot of such rules and regulations uh something which i can remember at the top of my head is like a master should be a person who will preside over the lodge functionality for an year he will be supported or ably supported by two wardens who will obviously be in charge of certain aspects like somebody will be in charge of paying the workers on time ensuring that they they are all perfect the other one will be in, uh, will be responsible to make sure that they are fed properly they are taken care of and all those aspects which is very similar to what your today's lodge function is all about so that's how so guys this is exactly from where we kind of get all those idea now the shaw statutes as i mentioned were found in the minutes book of lodge edinburgh uh, which used to be called mary's chapel number no. 1 and it codifies the regulation of the craft or the mason craft in scotland now all these things ensures us to understand from where exactly these things come from so william shaw was one of a very important person adding to this i would like to also say that you know there are always two sides to every coin and there are at least two sides to anything in life because humans at the end of the day are intelligent but also complicated right so let me talk about something that i'm sure everyone listening will um, identify with very clearly now there's an aspect in this paper which has been called out very specifically it says masons under pressure it talks about back in the 1400s there was a global pandemic of plague called the black death maybe 100 200 300 years down the line the history books will talk about the corona virus pandemic but black death was something that this paper talks about and why it's important is because while there was emphasis like 
Indonesia and myself have been talking about putting, you know, an order to the chaos, having a structure, having specific titles and whatnot. There is a flip side to that too. And these things sometimes come through in one way or the other, for good or for worse, uh, when society or when humans are at their most vulnerable, like all of us are today. So let me delve on that a little bit. What happened was, back in the 1400s, Black Death claimed about around 100 million people around the world. It was devastating. Just imagine, in today's advanced medicine and science, we are suffering so much back then, what did people have? But it also meant that there was a shortage in the skilled artisans in England. At the end of the day, masons are humans too. And they are susceptible to you know, getting affected by the plague. Uh, you know, they might die of that, they might suffer because of that. But at the end of the day, it brings, it brought about a shortage in that. Now, demand does not simply cease. One way or the other, the demand will be there. But the supply of these individuals who could execute the demand, who could fulfill the demand was very low, which meant that the wages obviously went up, right? If you want me to build a wall that is 10 meters high and about a hundred feet long, which could hypothetically be done by say uh, 20 masons and now you just have six. Expecting them to complete it within the same time and same wage is impractical. Obviously the demand will be more. Not only that, materials will also go high, right? What happened was the wages increased. Uh, the government was struggling to keep the wages down or at least control it. So in 1425, the government enacted a statute which said Masons are hereby not allowed to hold any assemblies uh, for the fear of demanding higher wages. Just think about that for a second of what it was back like in 1400s and what it is like today. I don't see prices going down for a lot of things. So history does repeat itself. What do you think, Rinesh? Oh, yes, it definitely does. Now, to make sure that you are able to continue doing this, right? There was a lot of, um, what should I say, innovations. One of them was something called as the Regis Poem or the Halliwell Manuscript. Now, to try and protect themselves from the effects of this regulatory statute, some junior masons at that time developed a legend that they had been given ancient charts, like they were actually given warrants and charters to hold these assemblies. Now, as and when you bring um, an angle of uh, like ancient stuff or maybe something related to God or something related to uh, a myth, right? It automatically suddenly feels like, what can we do to stop them? It's not possible. Like for folks, at least in India, right? Just to make kind of give a parallel. Uh, Bal Gangadhar Tilak back during the Indian independence struggle, right? Uh, when the British had actually stopped us from coming together to discuss anything with respect to independence or any of these issues, because obviously they felt that coming together, people are going to discuss, they're going to get these ideas and they're going to create problems. What did Bal Gangadhar Tilak do? He actually found a very awesome idea. He started celebrating Ganesh Chaturthi in a public style. Like rather than it being in a household function, he made it a public function, wherein everybody can come together, obviously in the name of God. And second, you also get an opportunity to talk to other people and find out what is happening in their respective region. 
Now, imagine that's a brilliant idea, but that brilliant idea was not like just an idea which must have come some 50 years or 100, sorry, 100 years or 200 years back. This was there back even in the 1400s. The Regis poem or the Halliwell manuscript is something in the same line. So that they reacted against the increasing elitism of the trade. Okay, so they wanted the rise of highly skilled workers in freestone, which is what we covered in the last episode as well. So appearances of superior class of mason contractors. so they created legends and that legend gave that idea that no these masons are not just simple masons coming or who can just cut stones they are coming from a long line of artisans who are famous who are born to do those things and with such an idea people obviously were able to or rather i would say it kind of romanticized the overall freemasonry which you and i kind of know about suddenly you have something in your hand a poem of the halliwell manuscript which i'm talking about which kind of gives you the idea so what exactly it contained it spoke about euclid it spoke about the uh, the king ethelstan that when he came the first time to bring everything see some of them might find uh, might be a little bit far fetched but some of them are actually true or at least it has been mentioned in the papers like for example the top- topic of king ethelstan king ethelstan was actually one of the first king who brought all of england together and he was one of the first king who ensured that there were strict rules and regulations for masons in his land so imagine trying to bring that aspect suddenly you're talking about a king back in the 9 uh, 924 uh, year right when he actually brought all this aspect you're also talking about euclid where he kind of understood about geometry and he got that geometry from ancient egypt and the far east you're talking about so many aspects there was also a story of the four crown martyrs which talks about a series of moral aphorisms and gives you kind of a blessing on how when you do your duty you actually can live a better life so all that thing added that the charisma to freemasonry or to charisma to stonemasons at that that's a very beautiful example you brought up uh, renish about uh, uh, bal gangadhar tilak using a similar concept in india so many years after this thing came yes. up, right and like i mentioned things come out in their true form when humans are vulnerable which also means that ideas can come innovation and creativity can come from a human mind no matter where no matter when no matter how no matter why but the fact that someone in india could come up with something similar goes to show that it is important for humans to stay together it is important for people to communicate it is important for people to come together to achieve something for the greater good in balgangadhar tilak uh, in his point of view it was to ensure the communication did not break people were in sync and that seed that that fire that spark of freedom continued to be fueled and in the same way if we see about the regis manuscript or the halliwell manuscript it was again the same thing and the point to note here is it was a group of junior masons who came together and thought about this why not the seniors i think the answer is in that same paragraph it's because there was this increasing elitism in the trade oh i am a senior person so don't you you know cross my path 
but it's the juniors who came together and said something needs to be done and they did it i think that's another important lesson that we as masons and even non masons can take a leaf out of that book the power of the common man is unbeatable provided the common man comes together as common men as common people to show what that power truly is for the greater good wow. good one good one shishir <laughs> i i think i was just trying to relate i mean there are a whole barrage of ideas going in my mind when i was you know reading that and when you were explaining it and very very nice explanation anish from your end as well mm-hmm. so i thought i should really share this and and uh, the, in today's time i feel it is increasingly important for people to feel that they are one together and not uh, many uh, as separate groups uh, if we as a country need to propel ourselves forward i think this is an important lesson our ancestors had the sense to think of that then why can't we <laughs> all right so without delving too much into that direction i think i'll hand it over to renesh to talk about another interesting portion of this paper called the contents of the old charges renesh over mm-hmm. to you so when we talk about these religious manuscripts which we were saying and the charges of a freemason so if you ever open any book of constitution of any grand lodge whether it's united grand lodge of england grand lodge of scotland or grand lodge of india you will actually find certain charges and these charges or basically these um, rules which are there might sound a bit old style but these rules are super interesting to actually read and it kind of has its origin from this uh, regis poem or the halliwell manuscript which i was talking about some of these charges right might sound like a ritual but these charges have expressed some true and valid sentiments but but please understand that these valid sentiments which we are talking about are from that era in today's date it might not make sense but why have we not changed it well the moment you try changing something of a history you are just forgetting the past and thinking that everything has been is all okay but that is not what we freemasons do we always try to remember that history we ensure whether it is good or bad doesn't matter we always try to remember that now what are the contents of these charges i'll just delve into some of them like for example we uh, it talks about the father of heaven uh, obviously the word father was used not a mother of heaven or something because at that time it was a, or not that time unfortunately in today it's a patriarchal society so that society obviously used male terminologies at that time but today we are obviously uh, better than that right we understand that you cannot actually have a gender equated to something like this however it has still been written like that and we kind of read it in that manner with the understanding that in the old times it was that but in the new era it is a bit different it also talks about the traditional history of uh, geometry masonry architecture which helps them to build such beautiful buildings it talks about noah's flood it talks about uh, his uh, brother uh, uh, the metal founding who uh, discovered by a brother called tubal cain it talks about uh, the two great pillars which were found after the flood which actually gave the civilization what to do what not to do and everything it talks about the tower of babel it talks about abraham egypt so if somebody is trying to draw parallels yes most of these things are from the bible which you and i might have read or seen why from the bible very simple this comes from europe which was the one religion which was predominant in europe christianity which was the one book which they obviously everybody wanted to read 
Bible. So to ensure that those stories of Bible, those moral lessons from the Bible are actually given to understand, they took that kind of a concept. Now, imagine if it was some other book over there, they would have taken it from that book. It is not like some book is better than the other. There is nothing of that sort. I seriously don't understand why people actually want to fight over that. Every book has its own place and every book has its own value. We have been able to take out good from each and every one of them. The things which are bad, please throw it out. We don't need to remember those stuff. The same thing is what these charges actually talk about. They actually, in these charges, again, King Ethelstan and the Assembly of Masons, which is mentioned, and a very beautiful line which says, every man that is a Mason, take right good heed to these charges. Then there are certain regulations as well. How do you administer the trade? How do you actually take care of certain behavior? How like your, your own behavior, the behavior against human beings around you. They do not talk about behavior against just fellow Masons. It talks about behavior against human beings. So please understand, we are talking in the concept of a human behaving with another human. And finally, it comes to the oath. It talks about these charges that we have rehearsed and all that other that belong to masonry. We shall keep. So help me God so that I can keep these charges and ensure that I live a better life. Now, when you read all these things, right, what exactly is it that you're thinking about? You now try to figure out what are these old charges for? Why do I need them? Shishir will be the best person to explain that. Thanks, uh, Rinesh. Now, this is a little paragraph, and I think it's only fair to read it in its entirety verbatim. Uh, one reason, this is a very beautiful paper. I love it. And the other, I think I can't do enough justice by paraphrasing. So, uh, with due respect to its author, uh, our dear brother, I would read this particular paragraph in its entirety. So, here goes. What were the old charges used for? The connection of the old charge with operative lodges is guaranteed by the contents. Their association with speculative masonry is also well attested. Nearly a quarter has been owned for over 200 years by private lodges in England or Scotland. It is hypothesized that these old charges were copied and exhibited in lodges over the centuries. They must have had a psychological effect. They inculcated in masons a sense of respect and reverence for their craft. They told how it went back to the antediluvian times, how it was connected with famous buildings in the sacred writings, and how it could number among its votaries even monarch monarchs themselves this was no servile trade of recent devising but an ancient and honorable institution end quote thank thank you very much Shishir, for this see Brett, listen this is exactly what we've been talking about we might not be able to draw parallels in the current scenario uh, and maybe it's sometimes futile to do that but there are times when you will be able to draw parallels. And when you do that, it kind of gives you an entirely new meaning to the way you understand those old stuff. These old charges actually, just the word itself says it, they are old. They are charges, they are regulations which are old. But does it mean that it cannot be used in today's day? Maybe, or maybe not. And if it is not, 
well our mind or rather we human beings are smart we understand what needs to change and how it needs to be changed and we do that and that's exactly what we do well with that thank you very much for listening to us so far we have learned a few things about masonic our masonic ancestors the free stone masons of england then the, now we obviously spoke about the stone masons of scotland we have seen them at their peak in the 15th and 16th century and we know that their trade the building trade which we've been talking about it started decline in the 17th century so then what now what next how is it that after such a decline of stone masons or free stone masons of england and of scotland and england which we have talked spoken about how exactly did we end up in this modern era with freemasonry still being one of those oldest fraternal organizations which continues with the same set of ideas the same set of knowledge despite their declining fortune they had a body of knowledge esoteric and symbolism these non operatives were speculating about what the stonemasons did in their lodges and that is exactly where the next part of the paper will come from for that please stay tuned and we will get back with the third and the final part of this paper thank you very much for listening to this it's been an amazing journey which we have been trying to do in these three parts and as i said the third part is going to be the finale where you in this case even i as well as shishir will be able to understand how the rise of freemasonry even though it saw a decline in the 16th and 17th century still rose up to be the phoenix which we all like thank you very much and see you soon and that's a wrap we thank you for your time and hope that we have been able to present to you the true light of masonry in yet another way please continue to watch out for more episodes from the ashlers by subscribing to our channel on most of the popular podcasting platforms links are in the show notes and also feel free to email us at the ashlers podcast at gmail.com your encouragement is what keeps us motivated above all as proud hosts of india's first and only free masonic podcast we wish you all the very best and until next time the ashlers signing off